All right, guys, let's get started. So this is Know Your Gear QA episode 165. And uh, and uh, if you're new to these live shows, if you're seeing one of these on YouTube or if you're finding one on iHeartRadio as a podcast or iTunes or Spotify, uh, here's how it works if it's on, on YouTube. If uh, you want to go to the uh, description down below, you can go to the question index. I actually take time to put all the things we talk about and timestamp them, so you can go right to them if that's uh, something you're interested in. Otherwise, you can just listen to it as a whole entirety. If you're live with me right now, if you want to ask a question, you can put a question mark first. That lets me know you either have a question or a subject you want to talk about. And uh, and uh, there you go. Easy enough. All right. Another thing is, I'm going to warn you guys, because this is the most unprofessional live show on the internet. I'm just kidding. Uh, I might have noises <laughs> going on today. Just be aware. I have kids that are going in the pool it's i don't know what the temperature is outside i haven't been outside i'm going to say it's 106 107 so uh you know you can't keep them trapped in the house so if they go outside and they make noises sometimes dogs bark things happen it's what happens and uh, i didn't feel like telling them no for the sake of me doing the live show i hope you guys appreciate that so that being said uh what i like to do is kind of peruse some of the first questions i see to see if there's anything interesting uh and um there was a couple but uh, there was one from nathan who said what is the best amp uh fender wait what is the best amp with fender cleans and marshall dirt distortion in other words uh would it be better off getting a fender amp and a good marshall and a box pedal that's kind of what I do. Um, I have messed with this idea. At first, I want to say that I actually like Marshall Clean. So that's one of those things over the years that so many people said, you know, Fender Clean and Marshall Dirt. And what you realize is, oh, and a lot of the amps cases, especially Marshalls, uh, they're one and the same. And the Marshall Clean is a little bit different. It's got a little bit more mids to it. And there's something about it I like sometimes more than even Fender Clean. So I'm just letting you know that just so I, we all have the same kind of mindset. Um, that being said, there's tons of amps out there that have dual tones, you know what I mean? They give you the distortion of a Marshall and the clean of a Fender. But me, I, I mess with them all and I really just come back to, especially at home use for playing, I'm just going to go ahead and use a Fender amp with a good overdrive box in front of it. I'm always happy with that. I find myself very pleased in fact to the point where i keep trying stuff and i just never get there but you never know i've heard good things about some amps and i have some amps coming that i'm excited about and so maybe they'll be that kind of promise i don't know we'll see there you go um so there was also an early super chat and it came from jay uh jay said i just bought a brand new ltd george lynch comma four so kamikaze four uh for under six hundred dollars it was 750 off <laughs> that's a good deal man uh how much do retailers really mark up stuff okay so interesting question and i want to start with a couple things first uh, there's a lot of believe it or not retailers uh and some are friends and some are people i don't know that like to watch the live shows to get a beat on the market because we are a bunch of guitar geeks and we meet up every friday and talk and let's face it on this between the podcast and these live shows i'm hitting like a hundred thousand streams and views per episode combined all sources so to 80,000, whatever. It's still a lot per episode. <laughs> so uh, I'm telling you this because I've been, it's been voiced as a concern when I talk about these inside stuff. And I, I want to tell you this. I'm going to tell you. I just want to tell you first 
please understand when I'm telling you guys this stuff, it's not so you can weaponize it against the retailers. I want you to understand that most of the retailers, especially the ones that are have the smallest margins, they are our family members, our friends, and our local businesses. So in this industry, it is expected as a standard, as a 30% margin is a standard. In other words, without heavy negotiations, without anything, usually a, a, a manufacturer or wholesaler will give the retailer a 30% margin. In other words, if they if the retailer sells it for $100, the retailer would pay $70. So that is the amount. Now, so you know, that is so horribly dismal that uh, when I first opened my store, I would give friends and family discounts bigger than that because I was embarrassed. Like, people are like, hey, my buddy Phil's got a store, and he can hook me up with a fender. And I'd be like, yeah. And he's like, so the Strat's like $1,000 for U.S., because that's what it was back then. U.S. Strat's 1000 bucks. What could you do for me? Probably what? What, 500 bucks? And I'm like, I could go 550 And they're like, okay, I'll let Phil make 50 bucks." Meanwhile, I was paying, well, 683 Like I said, generally, 30% is the range. It's never exact. Sometimes it's 33% off. So... Now, that's that's the first part, but that's a small part of the equation. So understand that bigger retailers can get down to 40 and 50% double mark. Not all products are the same. Accessories have higher margins, so you don't expect to have that same uh, low margin on small items. Even though you churn them faster and you churn them more often, they essentially... You know, I mean, you can't make 30 cents on a dollar purchase. It's just not going to pay a bill. So sometimes a smaller merchandise is given heavier uh, percentages. Now, some off brands, which is why sometimes when you go to small mom and pops, they uh, deem not to go ahead and carry like a Fender or a mainstay brand because they can't buy into the deepest discounts of that brand. So they'll go with off brands that give bigger discounts. Some brands give 50% marks. In other words, they sell it for 100 and they get paid, they pay 50 for it. So. Uh, that is generally the, 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 the range of it, and it's not very good. It's a very, it's a very tough industry uh, for that. Now, a lot of you right now are going to be like, well, I heard, look, man, I, 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 I've literally written the checks for over millions of dollars worth of product. So I'm telling you, this is what I paid for it. Uh, in Arizona, when I was a Fender dealer for eight years, nine years, nine years as a Fender dealer, I was a top tier Fender dealer. I carry custom shop, I carry all this stuff. So I, I understand there's little better deals than what I was paying for, but I'm telling you generally what to expect when you're writing checks in the uh, seven figure range, <laughs> right? When you're writing big checks, I'm telling you it's the, the margin is low at $100,000. If you don't discount, you can see a 30% margin. Now there's more to the equation. This is why I want to take a second to tell Jay this. And this is explains why he got the deal he got. Besides desperation, look, let's be clear. Anybody can be desperate right now, especially now. Recessions were desperate. Times are desperate. Sometimes the dealer is just like, I got to pay a bill. I need $600 to pay this bill. Maybe he's got employee taxes due. You can't wait to pay those, by the way. You pay your employee taxes on time or else. Um, and sometimes the bills are due and they know you'll snatch a $600, uh, $1,000 guitar for 600 bucks. Maybe do it. I'm, I'm excluding those scenarios, desperation. I'm going to explain logic as a retailer and uh, and hopefully explain sometimes why you're getting these deals and it's fair, okay? So keep in mind, I want to do this math. I've done this once before. Let's say I buy $3,000 out of pocket, write a check, $3,000 worth of merchandise. And like I told you, if we were getting a 30% margin on that, and I'm going to, I just don't want to get my numbers wrong since I have a calculator in front of me. 
Okay. So I spent $3,000. I'm going to sell it to you. Let's say I'm going to have a 30% margin on that. And I want to keep things easy. I'm going to say, in fact, scratch the $3,000. I just want to keep things easy. I have product that's retail valued at $5,000. And if I have a 30% margin, I will have paid $3,500 for that uh, that product. So in other words, I'll make $1,500 when it all sells. We're not even arguing whether I discounted or not. We're saying that I I have $5,000 of product in my store for sale when I sell it all at at the premium price or at the asking price or the 30% margin. Again, like I said, sometimes it could be 40, but we're gonna say 30, I make $1,500. Keep in mind, here's something that happens. I I call it the money trap. It happens all the time, okay? So let's say the product sells. And I sell $3,500 worth of the product, okay? So we understand that that the $5,000 product cost me $3,500. So it doesn't matter how much of the product I've sold. I've sold $3,500 of it. In other words, I've got my money back. And now I have product on the wall, literally, like it's behind me, and no money because I just got the money I put out back. I haven't made any profit. Sometimes it makes sense to go ahead and start discounting past the percentages because you've already sold and made some money. Does that make sense? I hope this is all making sense to people. So in other words, what I'm saying is, is that a guitar that technically is a thousand dollar guitar that I said cost me $700, I could sell it for five because all 500 is profit because I've already paid the initial cost of the guitar. So in other words, I'm spreading the cost across the average uh, through some people paying a little bit more than you. Now you're gonna pay less than somebody else. Maybe it was uh, just time for it to go. It's a soft market, it's time to go. Maybe it was a crazy color. There's all kinds of reasons to decide to logic. The reason I'm telling you this story is because I want you to understand sometimes, I've seen this so many times, and this is where I, again, I don't want misinformation out there about this. I've seen people go, I bought, like you, I bought a a $1,200 guitar, $1,300 guitar for $600, and like you said, wow, what kind of money are they making on this guitar? Well, they, they actually may have technically lost money on the sale from what they were supposed to pay, but through cost averaging, it made sense to let it go for that price. Now, the other example is keep in mind that retailers aren't the only ones giving away product and making deals. Manufacturers are constantly like, hey, buy five, get one free. That would be a better deal than the 30%. They might actually say, uh, hey, we have these on clearance. Let's give, give you a... Uh, a, uh, a discount on that. And so they might blow out guitars. Uh, one of my regrets, <laughs> somebody was asking me, always ask me before asking me, what, what do you miss? I don't, I don't know about the miss part, but I can tell you a lot of regrets. Uh, one time Ibanez blew out the Paul, remember when they did the Paul Gilbert uh, reissue anniversary models in the blue and the white? Ibanez blew out a ton of those to me because during the recession, dealers didn't have any money. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy up a bunch. And I bought them for stupid cheap, stupid, stupid cheap. I think I paid... I don't know, they were supposed to be like two grand a piece and I think I was, uh, so normally if you follow the math right, I would normally pay like $1,400 or $1,300. Ivan is a little better margin sometimes, not on the electrics, more so on the acoustics, but you know, a little bit better margin, but I think I bought them for $600 a piece. So I, I just dumped them all for a thousand bucks each because I was like, ah, each one I'm making 400 bucks, 40% margin on a thousand dollar purchase if I paid six for it. Moved them fast, happy. I, here's what I regret. I don't regret selling that cheap. I regret not keeping one. <laughs> Because <laughs> I can't buy one for $600 now. So, Jay, that was a little long, convoluted answer, but at least it makes you understand. And I gave you, a, hopefully, a couple scenarios to explain why they could have. So, there obviously was desperation as possible. There was a factor of, of, of cost factor where I talked about where they averaged it out. It could be they just, you know, 
taking a loss to move money. And of course, they could have got a deal from LTD. It's possible. There's a lot of things that factored in there, but it's hard to figure out. Generally speaking, I would say if you're a retailer in the new market, not used, that's a totally different game. In the new market, you're a small mom and pop store. Let's say you want to open a store tomorrow. I would expect that after you give customers their discounts to expect to get about a 25% margin on average per product and a 40% margin on average per accessory. That was what I would think you would see as a whole. Although consistently the internet makes that margin smaller and worse. So there you go. Um, so there, I hope that helps. I used to, uh, what I remember most was I remember, uh, when you looked at my gross business numbers, I remember like the accountants and everybody would like just have a heart attack, like, whoa, like they thought I was just killing it. And then when they saw our margins, they'd be like, oh, there's worse industries for margins, by the way. I have other businesses, I should say. And to be honest with you, there's worse industries out there, other worse margins. Uh, Jay says, awesome, man. Thanks for the reply. And yeah, I'm not sure how many 80s metal guys are around George Lynch, guitar collector. So yeah, and, and right now, I, I want to say in the current market, let me tell you what I think is going on with the current market. You have three factors going on. You have actually, believe it or not, a pretty decent demand going on right now. So believe it or not, even with the uh, jobless market, with the recessionary problems, with the COVID, with the, you know, you name it, you know, there's a thing, ton of logs we could throw on that fire right now. You could look at that as going, okay, it's a soft market, like a recessionary market, soft market for sales. However, you also have another problem, which is people really can't vacation. Let me let me tell you a, a, a factor of last recession that's important to know. Um, usually, typically, in the summertime, music stores that are also lesson academies or lesson have lessons and retail will tell you that during the summer, retail uh, drops, but lessons uh, kind of drop even more because people go on vacation. So they lose the, the, uh, the um, you lose your uh, lessons in the summer and a little bit in the Christmas time, but you get a, a pickup in the lessons in January because it's like, like losing weight and learning guitar. It's like, hey, I'm going to do these things in, in January. So during the recession, what I remember is as the summer would come and the retail sales would drop, and of course the recession was adding to that dilemma, no one was really coming off the lesson lists and we couldn't understand why. And then it dawned on us one day that no one really was going on vacation because it was a recession. So they were like, well, I'll just leave my kids in lessons because I'm not taking little Sally or little Timmy to Disneyland. So they'll just stay in lessons. So we saw that helped that helped our business having, re uh, having the lessons stay strong during the summer months. Now, back up to right now, I'm gonna tell you why that might factor into something going on. A lot of people can't go on vacations right now. They just can't. And if you're if you're broke and miserable right now, I really feel for you. I'm sorry. If you're miserable and not broke right now, you're going to probably try to fill that misery with purchases. Okay. Um, just the reality of it. You're sitting home right now. Look, man. If you're if you're trapped at home and you're not broke, there's only alcohol and online purchasing to make you happy at this point. And I know this is kind of weird out of our normal bounds talk, but I just want to be very clear because aside from being a gear channel, I do run businesses. So, I mean, there's just a little bit of business logic we have to apply to stuff. So, so in that mar market, you can only do one of those, so much of those two things, all right? So they are purchasing. So the reason I tell you about that is current market right now, you have uh, not the slump in demand you, you think there is. There is online sales. Uh, online sales are 
doing really well. That is why when you go to Sweetwater, American Music Supply, uh, you know, GuitarCenter.com, when you're going places, there's not supply. Now you could say, okay, well, Phil, that's because stuff's not coming from overseas and stuff's not be made. Well, that's the that's the point. Let's say the demand drops 30%. Okay. I don't think it dropped that much right now. I think demand's down maybe 15, 20%. But we're going to say drop 30%. Well, supplies drop 40%, which means there's 10% more demand than there is supply right now. And if you look at sales, online guitar sales right now in the new market, you're seeing exactly that. However, so what I'm saying is, okay, that sounds like good news. Well, no, because then you have a secondary problem, which is you do have desperation markets, which means you have music stores that it's not all fair fight out right now just because Sweetwater has a giant website and has have gear fest and have tons of uh, YouTube channels funneling affiliate links to them and doing all this great business you have mom and pops just sitting there being told they can't let people in their stores and if they don't have heavy internet presence I bought a guitar just recently um, and I did a review of it you guys saw and it was very expensive guitar uh, it was uh, and I got a smoking killer crazy like used price on a new guitar deal and let me tell you why the retailer sold to me was it was a hanging on the wall new guitar but in his store you could walk in and expect to pay the retail price, the street price, okay? So let's say the guitar was, in this case, I'm gonna say $1,900, because that's what it was, it was $1,900. $1,900 guitar on the wall, you walk in, I'm not talking about haggling for deal, I'm talking about average consumer walks in, sees the price, new guitar hanging on the wall, music door, says I'll take it, they put it in the case, they wipe it with a cloth, put it in the case, walk out the door, you don't think anything of it. Online consumer will not pay the full price for an instrument that has been demoed or used. So the retailer knew they were screwed because they got nobody walking in the store to sell the guitar. They got to sell it online now, and the only way to sell the guitar online is be stock, blemished, or used, or demoed. So now he's got to give a 30%, well, he, 20% is what I would think he should do, but he did 30, I think more, because uh, I, 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 like I said, like, kind of like Jay, I got the deal, <laughs> right, on a brand new guitar with warranty and everything, and it was perfect, but of course, it, it original box, everything, just it was out of the, in the store demoed, which in today's time put that that dealer in a precarious position. And like for the record, I didn't ask for the deal. It was a posted deal. I saw the deal. Knowing what I just told you, I kind of I figured that out, talked to them. They were very upfront about the situation. I said, yep, that's what I figured it was. I'll have to go ahead and take it. So you do have different kind, it's a different kind of market right now. You need to be very aware of what's going on with the, in this, in this guitar market, if you're purchasing, um, what's the deals and what's not the deals, like I said, because I'm seeing sometimes you guys are, are saying things and, and you be careful to who you're listening to right now. Cause there's people going, man, it's a great time to buy. Don't blindly just think that because it's really not that great time to buy. Not right now because the prices are not very low. They're pretty firm. I think uh, a lot of people noticed that a lot of the Sweetwater sales were not so spectacular. And uh, and uh, and I say that because when I was looking on Sweetwater, uh, I was going to talk about them on the live show, but there just wasn't any deals to really talk about. It's not Sweetwater's fault. They're they're doing really good online, and they didn't have they don't have a whole lot of product to to get their hands on to blow out anyway. So they they did as good as I think they probably should have done. So. Uh, and then EC, uh, just because I want to stay on topic, you know, I'm trying to find questions when we're on topic, stay on topic. EC says, uh, hey, Phil, your opinion, please. Uh, shouldn't a A-plus $1,000 U.S. guitar get you a case or at least a gig bag, mainly uh, 
Many don't. Why? Uh, yes, yes and no. But there's there are there are I have this I have this saying I like to say it's called bad ideas are infectious. And what I mean by that is um, some company and I always say that bad ideas are infectious. And I'm always implying to companies. And this is pre my my uh, music industry days back when I used to be in the finance industry. Um, a company comes up with a dumb idea, but it works. And so other companies look at that idea and go, that's a great idea. <laughs> but it's really not a great idea. So let me explain something to you. In the high-end bass guitar market, okay, for the four bass players that are watching, by the way, I think physically we have more females watching this channel than bass players. So so if you're a female bass player, say hi, because <laughs> you're a mystical anomaly <laughs> in my statistics. Um, so anyways, um, back to what I'm saying. Uh, High-end basses, $5,000 basses come with gig bags. It just became a thing. A Zon bass, right? I remember my first custom Zon bass, uh, and it was with a gig bag. It was like, what? <laughs> and um, I remember when I bought my first high-end bass from the bass place, which is, was in Scottsdale, Arizona, and now it's in, I think, uh, Peoria, uh, or out very north, uh, Avondale, somewhere up there. North of north of me, uh, if you're familiar with the area, and uh, I remember buying a high my first high end bass from them it was like a big deal um, because they were kind of a known bass entity. They sold only basses, and when I went to buy it, they said, N "You can pick," and I go, "Oh, I can pick," and they showed me the case, and then they showed me this crazy gig bag, and uh, I I bought the gig bag. Uh, by the way, it came with the bass, but I get to pick a case or a gig bag. I picked a gig bag. I still have that gig bag today. This gig bag today now would be like $500. Back then it was like a $100 gig bag. And I remember thinking it was weird that I picked a gig bag, but I saw it was a normal thing. Bass players, you know, right? They always look like me, kind of chubby, black shirt, black hat. Got a, They got their gig bag over their shoulder. Always look like they're waiting for something to happen, right? I'm, I mean, I got the doofy bass player look down. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, no offense to the doofy bass players out there. I love you, brothers. So anyways, back to what I'm saying. Um, I think that's where the infectious idea comes from. I think all of a sudden it's like people go, oh, high-end basses come with gig bags. What about high-end guitars come with gig bags? And I think it slowly moves that well. Um, so... Uh, uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, like I said, so that's why I'm saying. So then I think it becomes, uh, it goes from the justification of a gig bag over uh, a case. Then it becomes a justification of no uh, gig bag. Um, so you know, and I'll throw this, I'll throw them under the bus because this is true. I try not to say, <laughs> well, real quick, Mary wants me to know that she's a female bass player here. Thank you, Mary. You see, we, we love you. So, Anyways, back to what I'm saying. Uh, this is a true story. I'm going to tell you a true story. Uh, this proving, again, once again, sometimes when companies are like, our viewers are like, ah, I work for the companies. I don't work for anybody but myself. I just try to maintain friendships with all the companies. But also, keep in mind, I look at it like I work for you guys. So you guys are always my first factor. Fender used to give you uh, made in Mexico Strass and Tellys with gig bags, and then one day they stopped. Some of us have been around in the market remember that they always came with gig bags. American guitars? Cases, Mexican guitars, gig bags. And then one day, no gig bags. Here is why it happened. Guitar Center started selling its own line of cases and gig bags called Roadrunner, and they no longer wanted Fender to include gig bags with the Made in Mexico guitars. My, that's a fact. Here's my guess on to why that happened. Not only because they wanted to sell the gig bags, I'm sure through the awesome uh, uh, analytics of Guitar Center. In other words, Guitar Center 
besides all their faults, they still have a POS system, which is a purchase system, and it has analytics. And it probably says that the average person who buys a guitar between three to $500 also buys these accessories, right? So they figured out that they could sell a person a $400 made in Mexico guitar or a $500 guitar, $500 guitar, and then add a gig bag or case. And they no longer wanted the gig bags and cases. Plus it's a tracking nightmare for them because as you guys know, anyone who's purchased from a guitar center, you spend 20 minutes, no offense to the employees of Guitar Center. Remember, I always love the employees. It's the businesses that I sometimes question. The uh, the employee then spends 20 minutes looking for your case <laughs> in the back. And then sometimes, which has happened to me once or twice, they come back and they go, well, I we couldn't find your case, but we found this cool one. You want that? And I'm like, yeah, that's works. We've all had those kind of experiences. You can have that experience everywhere. No one's unfallible. Anyways, <laughs> my point is that's one bad idea that became infectious. Now, Here's the problem. The largest guitar manufacturer in the world, by brand power, which is Fender, technically the biggest brand in the world is Squire. I don't know if you know that. By units, Squire sells more than Fender. So technically Squire is the biggest brand in the world from recognition because of the fact that there's so many out there. But Fender, of course, sells the shirts and the hats and not Squire. So competitors, see you're thinking, because you're, you're thinking one way, the smart way, you're thinking, ah, we will, niche out or niche out Fender and put gig bags to their guitars. But like I told you, my theory is bad ideas are infectious. They're thinking, why should we give a gig bag, absorb that cost, if Fender doesn't do it? Proving once again, sometimes when I say bad ideas are infectious. So that's what happened with that. So to answer your question, do I think they should come with gig bags and cases? Yeah, I think they should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, as you guys know, I'm not a, um, I'm not really uh, into cases. I don't have very many guitar cases. I, I probably have four or five, uh, just for either rare guitars or just so I have a universal case for guitars. I usually use gig bags, and I don't have gig bags for all my guitars. What I've done and what I constantly do is I ask for credits for those. So I like that guitars come with cases or gig bags especially if I can get a credit for them. But unfortunately, because on, online now, it's, it's almost because of shipping, you want it in the case or gig bag. But what I mean by credits is it was very common for me to tell a music store, like I buy the guitar and I'd be like, hey, what do you give me if I don't take the case? A lot of times they looked at me funny, but most of the time they're like, I don't know, we'll give you 70 bucks. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. 60 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. I'd take anything they say, 20 bucks. I don't care. I'd be like, just give me something off so I don't, because I don't have to deal with this. Uh, so, you know, that's what I do with cases when the guitars come with cases. Most of the time, if I'm, so once I've decided that the guitar is going to stay, I sell the case off. So, um, this is an old podcast. I know I haven't said this in the last year, so you'd have to be an old podcast viewer to remember me saying this. I've always said this. Now, of course, uh, today's times, you got to say significant other because there's women guitar players and they could be their husbands complaining and vice versa. But in my case, it's a wife. I always tell you guys, in my case, wives don't count guitars, they don't count cases. You can have this many guitars, and to them, it's just crap on your wall. You stack this many cases up in a closet, they start looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Or you have too many guitars, or another guitar, really? They're counting the cases, because it's just big, ugly black boxes sticking in a, well, sometimes you have brown ones too, but you get the idea. So my, I decided a long time ago, at least in my world, my wife counts cases. So I have four cases and she's never complained. So, uh, and then no mojo says, so what's, what is the Charvel's excuse? Question mark. Uh, they're quite a bit more uh, than Mexico strats. Same logic though. Same, same logic, right? There is, there is, 
they don't have to. Like I told you, remember when I say bad ideas are infectious, we don't even have to say company wise. We could say internally, everybody has had a job, right? <laughs> I mean, I know most of you guys still go to a job. I had a corporate job. I worked in a cubicle forever um, before I decided like, I'm just going to do this other stuff that I do. Um, but my point is, is that everybody knows that one employee in the company has a bad idea and all of a sudden that idea is everywhere too. Bad ideas can be infectious. So what I'm saying is, is that the product manager from Fender can go and get, you, you don't think, I'm talking about no mojo here, no mojo, I'm talking to you, you don't think it's possible that uh, that the meeting where the, the Squire brand, or sorry, the Fender brand manager is being told how amazing profits are up because they don't have to ship these guitars with gig bags anymore. And then the, the Charvel guy's like, hmm, I'm going to take gig bags off Charvel. So we'll be up too, right? I mean, I'm not saying that happened because I actually know the Charvel guy and I don't think that's the reason behind that. But <laughs> I'm just saying it's possible. I think the, the reason gig bags aren't with Charvels is because they didn't have to. They were trying to hit a price point. Gig bags added cost to the price point and they figured that's all they care about. Look, when we complain about corporate greed or corporations in the music industry, not so much outside the world because you can complain about them too, what we're talking about is that, bean counting logic. The logic that says that they need to get a guitar to $999.99, $599.99. Look, let's be very clear. I've been in enough of these meetings with enough manufacturers and enough retailers and to, to know, physically been in these meetings to see what is happening. It starts on a chalkboard and it says, we want to make a guitar for $599. That's how it works. And then they work the math backwards to get there. This is the price point. Again, everybody has analytics. They know this is what people will pay. People will pay. That's why uh, I, this week I did the video of the PRS SE hollow body to <laughs> piezo, piezo, piezo. <laughs> I don't know why piezo. Sorry, guys. I don't know why I said piezo, piezo. Um, and uh, it's fifteen hundred fifty bucks, and it's a very little. Well, not very. It's a semi-controversial video because exactly what we're talking about, right? They, it's a strategy, 1550 for a made in China, a guitar, and we're trying, and I'm curious, I'm not gonna lie, I'm curious to see how everybody receives it, because uh, I think I was very clear in my video, it's a very cool guitar, I really, really enjoy the guitar, uh, but I, I too, am like, are we ready for $1,500 for an imported uh, economy brand? Are we ready for that? I don't know. And when I say, are we ready? It's simple. It sells out. I didn't think we were ready for a $2,000 John Mayer Strat style PRS. I was totally wrong on that. They can't sell those things fast enough. So, <laughs> all right. I have some super chats. I know, guys, I appreciate you guys super chatting, and I, I like it because I can pen and stay on topic. So I've penned a bunch. Let me go through and, and hit a few so I, I don't... Uh, don't forget you. Justin Mabe. Hey, what's up, Justin? So, you know, Justin sent me this really cool care package. I thought about opening it on the air. And to be honest with you, I just didn't know how personal it was, uh, you know, because because uh, uh, Justin is retired Air Force. And he had talked about, Do you, I, Just probably doesn't even know I remember this. He had talked about, he asked me a year ago if I traded coins, uh, military coins. And I didn't because uh, in the Army, I don't know if it's as popular as in the Air Force, uh, but uh, I didn't do it. And uh, he sent me a bunch of the Air Force coins and this cool Air Force patch and some strings and stuff. A really cool care package. It was very nice of him and his wife to do that for me. Uh, thank you again, Justin. Uh, he's just saying happy 4th of July. I'm just telling you what he did because I really want to appreciate it. And maybe next week, if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll, 
I'll show you guys some of the stuff. It's really cool. It's very exciting stuff, like I said, especially since because it's not stuff I've seen before. I, I, you know, my my wife's father was in the Air Force, but um, everyone in my side of the family, uh, we were all grunts. We were always in the Army. Um, only one was in the Marines and everybody else was in the Army. So I, I never I never really seen the Air Force stuff. And most of my friends were in the Navy. Weird thing that I grew up, I grew up in the desert and almost all my friends ended up joining the Navy. <laughs> I think it's because they were sick of the desert. And, that, and if you're sick of the desert, I think the Navy's a good place to go. So, I could be wrong. <laughs> all right. Uh, Planet Salanka says, uh, Stranded Island Guitar. Well, we always get this right. This is a, a common one. Uh, stranded, okay, I'm stranded on Desert Island. <laughs> I got water and coconuts uh it says guitar with a low budget squire okay so he wants to know if i'm stranded on an island with a low budget squire epiphone or lawyer lower end ibanez yamaha harley bitten or other so he wants to know what would i pick that is the best by the way that is the best spin on that question i've ever heard it's always been phrased to me as like what would i bring if i can bring anything but your little side caveat of it has to be an economy bass instrument a price friendly instrument what would i pick and why and i can honestly say i'm really impressed with the harley bitten stuff but and i'm just saying that because i'm saying that because it's true i've been impressed with them but if i was going to pick one i'm going to tell you what it's going to be it's going to be an epiphone or a yamaha and here's why um because I'm going to assume that I don't get to touch it first, just because the game seems fun, like I get to pick one. And Ibanez, although I'm a huge Ibanez fan, been Ibanez customer forever, their entry-level stuff is so hit or miss, I would expect that if they sent 10 Ibanez and Economy guitars, three of them are probably unplayable, two of them maybe, so they're hit or miss. Ibanez is great quality once you hit the higher tiers. Dean is like that too, by the way. Good quality when it's the higher tiers, gets a little dodgy in the lower tiers so if you guys know if you have a low-end ibanez or dean and you're saying right now in your head no i love mine yeah i understand that there's good ones but i'm saying there's bad ones too um epiphone is really consistent of all all the economy brands i felt epiphone has been the most consistent brand uh that i've put my hands on and repaired it it uh when i say consistent i mean especially like even squire has consistency and quality because i'm sure the friend or power you know branding power arm muscle of the purchasing uh keeps the consistency but it's inconsistent in the type of of controls it uses and stuff it mismatches parts it does all kinds of weird stuff so epiphone and then yamaha i like yamaha stuff too is really good but in order i would say i'm i know you said one so i'm going to say epiphone but i'm going to say my secondary was yamaha and uh ironically i'm both in the market to purchase one of those guitars to do videos so funny enough i'm actually in the market for an epiphone and a yamaha because i want to do a video of them both so on the channel um all right, Matt Wells says, hey, Phil, I've always played combo amps and stayed from heads and cabs, okay? However, Marshall head caught my eye. Is there any sound benefit to using a head and cab over a combo? Thanks. Um, well, the only benefit would be sometimes you get a closed cabinet, right? And the other benefit is that you get to mismatch them. So in other words, where a combo, you would get like a 50 watt amplifier in a 112 or 212 cabinet. It's not, you wouldn't see a 15 watt amplifier in a 212, where if you get a 15 watt head and put it on a 212 cabinet, you can mismatch that way. Sometimes that's fun that way. 310 cabinets, I'm not joking. Um, 115 cabinets, I mean, you can get crazy with it. So benefit wise, um, 
No, I think it's about missing right speaker to that amp. So they put that together. Um, and, and that same thing, if you buy the head and cabinet, they suggest sometimes it matches up too. But sometimes the cat, the combo, even the sizing of the combos, they get a little crazy. They get more liberal with um, the combo. What I've seen is manufacturers will try to stay to some kind of, of of cabinet platform when it comes to head and cabinets. In other words, size. This is the size 112 or 212 or 412. Where a combo, they get weird. They're just like, they can make it any size they want. So sometimes uh, some of the combos sound really great because the cabinet's a, a different shape. You know what I mean? Maybe deeper than normal 112 or 212. So uh, benefit-wise, uh, that's basically what you're getting at. Is there any downs, downsides or upsides? There's The downside is only that it's just really convenient to carry one heavy thing or one thing. And sometimes, like I said, it's matched up better. The upside, of course, is you have flexibility. So you get your head and cabinet and you go. So there you go. The other thing is keep in mind is you can always get a combo box and just plug the head into the that speaker and you'll have a combo. So something like that. Front level midnight did a super chat. I gotta take a drink of water, guys. I've been talking full speed for 38 minutes. All right, uh, front level midnight says, do you enjoy doom metal? Do you have a fuzz pedal you like? Doom metal, now I, I, I will say this, food, <laughs> food and music are the same to me as I love them both way too much. So I, I once said, and I'll say it now, I have a fat ear. <laughs> fat ear is my way of saying a fat ear in my terminology means that I'll like a fat person. Well, I'll eat anything. Uh, a fat ear is I'll listen to anything. I'll, I music is anything. Um, and I, 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 so do, do I enjoy doom metal? Yeah. In the right mood, I think I enjoy most anything. Um, and I'll be honest, curiosity will always take me down any weird road. So I'll end up listening to the weirdest stuff. Um, the only thing that's weird about, uh, doom metal for me and that stuff is, um, I have also phases that I go through and I went through a little doom metal phase. I go through everything phase. I'll go through like everything from like country. Well, I like country a lot too, but you know, country gangster rap, you name it. When I say phase, like I, I listen to it like nonstop for weeks. And then I'm like, hey, yeah, I had that. <laughs> Same thing with a restaurant. I go to a restaurant, I love it. And then my wife's like, what do you want to go tomorrow night? I'm like, let's go back to that restaurant. She can't stand it. But I'm like, I'll just keep going. By the way, you guys know my friend Ralph. He's the same. That's the one thing we have very few things in common when it comes to stuff. But one thing we have really in common is that if we like a place to eat, we will both just suggest going to that place until neither one of us want to go there for a long time. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, doom metal is uh, the first time I heard of it. I think the first time I ever heard any kind of weird music. Uh, I went through a screamo phase. I like was really into scary, uh, scaring kids, scaring kids, scary kids, scaring kids. Uh, and that's how I ended up becoming a Vince Sevenfold fan, but they, they didn't last screamo. Then I really like where Vince Sevenfold ended up. But uh, if you listen to the first Vince Sevenfold, it was like screamo. Um, so yeah, I'm all over the place when it comes to that stuff. Cause like I said, I have a fat ear, uh, and that and that uh, comes because of the fact that I probably consume too much music. I, I have music as a luxury of my uh, live livelihood. I get to listen to music all day, all day. If I'm working on guitars, I'm listening to it. If I'm working in the office, I'm listening to it. Uh, whatever I'm doing, I'm listening to music, unless I'm filming, and that's the only time. And uh, when I'm editing, sometimes I have, I have, well, not sometimes, I have music going back. So what happens is you burn through a lot of music. So, yeah. Uh, Jeff Parker. Jeff Parker says, ah, your new Beast Rich was, oh, your new Beast Rich has Rusty Floyd. I have several like that, too. Huh. 
There is no rust on the Floyd itself. I don't know if you know that. And I don't know how close I got in the video pictures, but what looks like a little bit of rust is not very rusty. There's some screws. The screws had a little bit of rust, but so, you know, I already cleaned and serviced the guitar after I did the unboxing and I literally almost had to do nothing to it. I changed out a couple of the screws. When I say change them out, I take them out. I, I, uh, I have a, a steel brush and I clean them and then I repaint them and I'll put them back uh, and replace them. Um, but no, it was like actually very, very clean. Uh, but I think maybe in the pictures, maybe it looked like it, but whatever it was, there was just not a lot of rust on it, but it should have from its age and the type of guitar. It's usually something you have, you see. Um, so back to your question, it says, have, I have several like that too. Uh, how do I fix or do you replace? How do you prevent newer ones from rusting like that? Well, rusting is easy for me. I live in a very dry climate. So rust is just, uh, I mean, I don't own a guitar new that has rust. And I mean, ever. Because, uh, I mean, it's, you know, uh, I, I know nothing. I've said this before about the car market. I don't know anything about cars. I, I don't even have interest in cars. Uh, uh, they, to me, they just, I just get in them and I drive places. So I say that because I, I want you to know that I, I know very little, but I even little know the little I know about the car market. I know that if you buy vintage cars, you want to buy them from places like Arizona, right? Rust-free Mustang bodies and stuff. Um, and I know collectors here go nuts because when they buy them from the East Coast, they scrutinize them because, I guess, you know, rusted bodies and stuff. So, no, it's a very dry climate. So, I have that going for me. So, that's good. But in your case, what do I do? Um, I use uh, – you can use WD-40 sometimes and I spray it. And there's other chemicals too, but I just like WD-40. I don't know what it is. Um I bought a book uh, literally when I was in the army called A Thousand Uses for WD-40. And uh, I don't even know if it's in publication anymore, but it was great. <laughs> and uh, I learned, and so removing rust and it just works fast and easy for me. So I'll soak stuff in that and I'll just clean it all out and clean it. And there's other materials you can use too. Some, some of my buddies suggest other stuff, but again, when you use something and it works and it's cheap as hell, uh, I'll just stick with it. So that's what I'll use to clean it. Um, black painted stuff like that is a little scary because you don't want to remove the black, but what's nice is about black versus chrome is I can paint the black stuff and I can't paint the chrome. Uh, Grumpy Mike. Hey, Grumpy Mike. He says, and why not? And no, <laughs> Miss Grumpy hasn't got a clue how many guitars I have. See, that's great. I enjoyed your, uh, you know, since I did the hollow body PRS, I watched your hollow body uh, Harley Bitten video. Uh, very good. And I thought pretty good views on that for a new channel. Very good. Congratulations, Grumpy Mike. I know when you're new, I think it's hard to gauge uh, how a video is doing. Um, but let me tell you, you can tell, you know what I mean? That video seems to be doing well. It's really cool. Especially, I think it's important uh, as brands like Harley Benton who have built themselves. Look, Harley Benton is a brand built on YouTubers. Um, in fact, it was built, I think, off Henning. I think Henning is the person who put it on them. You know, he started doing videos for Tolman or started doing Harley Benton videos. He told me a story one time. I was might have been drunk. <laughs> When you hang out with Henning, you're usually in Germany. When you're in Germany, you got to be a little drunk. So, because uh, <laughs> their beer is amazing. If you guys don't drink, you won't understand. But just trust me, if you do drink, their beer is amazing. Um, anyways, uh, Harley Benton is a brand that I, I look at as built on YouTubers, okay? Uh, like, if I was going to say Kramer was built on 
Eddie Van Halen, right? Or Steve I built Ibanez. Uh, and, and, you know, and of course, some of you guys right now are thinking, well, no, no, for, you know, maybe Kramer, you're thinking Richie Sambor or Ibanez, you're thinking somebody else. But you understand what I, I hope you understand what I mean by what I'm saying that is that that, that, there, that was the driving force of a lot of the uh, economic power of that brand. I think Harley Bitten is a, is a YouTuber brand. I think there's a whole list of brands that are built on YouTubers. And the reason I say that is I, I think it's funny when people go, you know, you YouTubers. I think it's always funny when people call me you youtuber uh <laughs> mike that's funny uh anyways because i don't know how to take that i don't know if it's i still haven't figured out if it's a compliment or a negative or both uh but in this case what i mean by it is i like that newer channels see the the advantage of doing brands like harley benton because hey some people are curious are they as good as they sound because it sounds like you know everybody's just giving them a uh you know, a, hey, they're a resounding review. Um, all I can tell you about my Harley Bittens is this. Uh, Harley Bitten and Toman has never paid me. They did fly me, though, to Toman, hang out. Um, but so, you know, when you add up the math on that trip, I'm in the hole. That's not that's not saying it's not what it was. It's still cool to be invited. It was still cool that they try to, you know, handle as much of the bill as possible. But like I said, I don't I don't get paid for reviews from them. The only reason I tell you that is just so you are aware of it. There's nothing wrong. I'm going to get a disclaimer, too. There's nothing wrong with YouTubers being paid for videos either. I think as long as you disclose it, you should do whatever you want. But I think it's cool when somebody buys something with their own money, which is why I try to still do it on my channel, right? Um, and I go as far, we talked about this. This is a funny conversation I had with a friend yesterday, so maybe you guys are interested. We were talking about this this week. Um, in fact, one of the questions, and I'm going to hit it, it was a question earlier, was uh, did I keep or am I keeping the PRS Hollow Body 2 SE? And so what I will tell you is this, uh, because again, always anything you guys ask me on the live show, I try to be upfront about. I, I like it, like Reddit. I did Reddit, Reddit ask me anything. Kind of try to keep these live shows like that. Um, so here's the deal on that. It was simple. Um, I did not negotiate anything up front. So what I mean by that was when PRS reached out to me, when I say PRS, I don't want to say her name, but I deal with one person at PRS. That's it. She's, she's a really nice person. I've known her since when I was a dealer. And so what happens is she usually sends me an email and she's very intuitive and she watches the channel. She watch, watches the live shows too sometimes. She's very intuitive to what I might like or not like or be interested in or what you guys are interested in. She actually pays attention to you guys because she's good at what she does. She's, a, she's smart in the marketing realm, especially social media. She's one of the few people who got social media, which is why PRS is predominant in social media. You gotta understand, some people think there's some kind of agenda behind this. Let me tell you something. Gibson doesn't give two crap asses about anybody. I still love Gibsons and I buy Gibsons. I've bought more Gibsons than I've ever bought PRSs. I still own more Gibsons than PRSs, but Gibson doesn't really get social media, <laughs> okay? Um, they are in it. They work with channels, but they don't get it. What I mean by get it, and I've said this before because there's a couple companies that get it, is uh, they know how to, they, it doesn't take much. Watch one of my live shows and you can figure me out in a minute. Now, I want to say on a caveat, Al John and Epiphone get social media. He's the exception to the Gibson rule. Remember, a company is not just a company, and it's, it's sometimes it's people, and people like Al John are great. That being said, as a Gibson as a whole doesn't get it like Jean, oh, I almost said her name. <laughs> Somebody at PRS gets it. And here's what I'm, why I'm saying that. She knows what I'm interested in. I'm interested in checking things out. So what happened was when the hollow body standard came out, she emailed me and said, would you like to check it out? That is the email I got. I responded with, yes, she shipped it. I was not paid to do the review and I was not promised any free gear. 
In fact, all it was is, is Vegas. Can I check it out? I did the video. I liked the PRS S2. I left it out of the review because I didn't know the future. I didn't know what they were up to, but there was a part in the video that I took out because I felt like it didn't add anything and it didn't help anybody make a purchase or decision, which is I wish they would have done the uh, Piazzo system in it, <laughs> like the core. And I didn't say that because, you know, because uh, I didn't think they would ever do it. And uh, so when I was done with the, the guitar, she said, uh, did you like the guitar? Now, did you like the guitar in my world can mean one of a couple things. If I say yes, she might give it to me. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop Not whoop-de-doo. Woohoo! I get a free guitar. However, it also could mean I'll give you a deal on it. And then I don't want to be in the position of, oh, well, if I have to pay for it, I'm not interested. That's that's not a nice thing to tell somebody. It's like an insult to somebody. Like, hey, I like your stuff. as long as I don't have to pay for it. So I said it was a very cool guitar. Thank you for letting me try it. Uh, but if you want to send the RA label, and she did, so it RA'd back. I'm telling you guys this, like I said, this is the story because it's true. So, so then she emailed me, I can't remember when, it was like February. And I emailed her and said, Hey, Jean, I'm thinking about buying a Hollow Body 2 core. Do you have anything in stock? Because obviously, since I have a relationship with Paul Smith, I'm hoping that they'll say, yeah, we have two hanging out here and you can have them for some discount and discounts good because that guitar is crazy expensive. It's $5,000. And as you guys know, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I've never spent more than $2,500 on a guitar and keep in mind, I don't count dollars. So $2,505 or whatever, but I've never spent more than $2,500 on a guitar ever, ever in my life. Uh, now for the store, my store, yes, and I've resold them, but for me personally, Comfort zones. We talked about this on a live show. I have a comfort zone. 2,500 makes me nervous. All right. I don't know why. It just does. I think it's because when I think about it, if I ever have to sell all my crap because something goes wrong in the world, I know it gets harder as the guitars get more expensive to unload them. So I don't want to be in a position where I'm stuck with anything because, again, I don't know. You know, you never know the world. You have to remember I'm self-employed. Every day I make what I make. No one's paying me a check. So back to this, uh, back to the story of this. So I reached out and she goes, oh, I have a hollow body here in my office. And it was the S, no, S2. It was the SE hollow body uh, Piazzo. And she goes, do you want to check it out? Now, keep in mind, I want a core. And of course, once she said they're doing an import model with the Piazzo, I'm like, oh, if I end up liking that, that's going to help my pocketbook. So like before, I just said, ship it out. Sure. Under the under the guise that it's just to check it out. So it got here and then she told me I can't release the video until April 15th, but then COVID happened, which then turned into May 15th. And then obviously that turned into June 23rd. Um, so I've had it this whole time and I did the video. So I, again, it wasn't paid for that video uh, in any way from, from Paul Red Smith. Um, and it's here. <laughs> What I mean by that is, I like it. I'm trying to figure out if I want to keep it. If I don't keep the PRS Hollow Body 2, now when I, so here's what I mean by that. One of two things are going to are going to happen. She's going to obviously they're going to want it back, or uh, I'm going to have to buy it, or I can sometimes say, hey, I, I'd like to keep it. How do we how do we do that? And sometimes they're very nice and they just let you keep it. That's nice. Or sometimes they say, well, we can work out something, right? Maybe I'll do another video for them for another product and I'll get to keep that product. And then that's compensation. That's cool. However, um, 
since so you guys know and very clearly up front some companies just leave guitars with you they just send you guitars some companies as i've told you before just send guitars randomly to my my address i mean guitars that showed up i have guitars that just show up so again i'm not trying to paint any any bad pictures here this is the coolest gig you could possibly get if you can get to this wherever i'm at in this uh, in this platform which is very hard to do um but it's got a lot of work behind it, but there's some benefits. But anyways, back to the thing. So uh, where I'm at with the Hollow Body 2 SE, I'm either going to keep it. I don't know if that means I'm going to pay for it or, or talk to her or figure that out. Or it's going to go back and I'm buying the core. I just can't justify the core. I was on the phone today with an amazing retailer over on the East Coast. They were they they worked me on a great deal. And it's, just, it's still just a lot of juice, man. So I got a birthday coming up. I don't know what it is. I mean, I know what my birthday is. I don't know what I'm trying to come up with reasons to buy some guitar that I just can't do it. So that's, that's the story with that. So that's, that's what it is. Oh, so back to the, why it's important. So when it says product provided, usually what it means is they either loaned it to me or they gave it to me, but obviously it implies that they weren't, they didn't pay me for the video, you know, financially. They're just, obviously there's product involved. Um, and it gets a little tricky because some of the inexpensive stuff, it doesn't make sense to ever ship back. So, and so you guys know, just because I feel like complaining about it, some companies owe me money. <laughs> and when I say owe me money, I mean, because sometimes I, I pay the return shipping and I pay stuff and they're supposed to reimburse me and they don't, or I haven't. I shouldn't say don't. Let's just say sometimes you're in the hole. Um, uh, let's see. And before we jump subjects, anybody else, anything else? I know you guys are talking about other things. I just want to make sure before we go. Ah, Tony says most. Uh, I, I try to. I'm trying to keep questions on, on subject. <coughs> Excuse me. On topic. Tony wants to know what's the most expensive guitar I ever bought. The three most expensive instruments I ever purchased. I can tell you right now. Hold on. All right. Uh, in order of when I purchased them in my life. The most expensive instrument I ever purchased in my life was my Zon Custom Shop uh, bass. I paid $2490, so almost $2,500. So $2,500. And uh, that was a dealer cost. That was when I was a Zon dealer. Uh, and that was the NAMS sample at the show. Uh, so that was the most expensive one. I ended up selling it because I was afraid of damaging it. I had it for, I kept it for about a year and then it just, it just made me nervous. I, I what happened when I say it made me nervous, I never played it. It was probably, and I, do I regret selling it? Absolutely. Couldn't touch that base for anything close to what I paid now, but just couldn't bring myself to play it. Now at that point in my collecting in my life, I think the most expensive instruments I had before that were maybe a thousand dollars. I'd maybe bought an instrument for a thousand bucks. So I went crazy. I went from like, you know, six, $700 instruments on the high end of what I would purchase to all of a sudden this $2,500 one. So it eventually is gone. Um, then the second most expensive guitar I ever bought in my life was my yellow used Steve I gem for 2,500 bucks. And I paid 2,500 for it even, uh, maybe 25, you know, and change a couple bucks again, you know, a couple bucks. Had that, you guys seen that in many videos. Eventually I sold that um, uh, because of the fact that, not because it made me nervous, because I have the other gem that I got from my buddy Joe. That gem is nicer, it's worth more, and I paid less for it. And I thought if I'm gonna keep one of them, I'm gonna keep the one that I have less money invested into and is worth more, which is the floral gem. 
The third most expensive instrument I have is my Nags guitar that I bought last year, and I paid twenty five hundred dollars for that too. I might have keep, keep in mind I'm showing off memory. It was used. It was like on reverb twenty four twenty five hundred bucks, um, and that was because everybody kept talking about Nags, and I thought I should do a Nags. And Nags, uh, to to their to their uh, credit, um, Peter uh, and the guys at Nags through my buddy Larry offered to build me one at either dealer cost or builder's cost. Um, and what happened was, so you guys know, I've talked about this before. Sometimes when manufacturers ask you to do that, it puts you in a trap. And here's the trap. Not, not that they're doing anything wrong. It's all on me. The onus is on me. The trap is if I buy a guitar from Nags at cost and I don't like it, I can't sell it because it's not good etiquette to go, hey, yeah, I'll buy one of your guitars at a smoking deal and then I'll flip it and make money off you. It's not a very cool, cool thing. Where if I bought it used, I bought the Nags used right now. So if I sell it, it's, it's me. I did that. I didn't. I didn't get any favors for that. So what I'm saying is, I I just didn't want to do that at that time. I want to know now that I have the nags. It's a beautiful guitar. Will I keep it? I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't decided. But that's the most expensive instruments. So if I buy a hollow body two, it'll be physically the most expensive instrument I've ever bought. And it's one of the only probably two guitars in my entire life that I would ever consider. There's only three. Well, three. <laughs> There's only two guitars I will ever. Here are the three. <laughs> there are only three guitars that I can tell you right now that I will spend or consider to spend more than $2,500 for. Okay. Um, one is a hollow body two by PRS. Two is a Sur guitar. One day I think I will eventually buy a Sur guitar. And when I do, obviously I don't think I'm going to get it for less than $2,500. That'll be my second one. The third one is a, an Ibanez Universe uh, Swirl, which those go for six to $10,000 and that's never going to happen. But those are the three guitars that if you ask me, would I ever spend more than $2,500 out of my comfort zone to do? Those are the three and all three for the same freaking reason. I, I have no choice there. I'm never going to come across one for, for those deals. Uh, at least not now. And all three of them also have something else in common. All three of those guitars, the hollow body two, the sir, this, this is by, I, by the way, this is like, I feel like I'm in therapy. I should be laying down telling you guys this. Anyways, all three of those guitars have something in common. All three of those freaking guitars, the sir, the, the hollow body two and the universe, all three have almost purchased at least a couple times each. And each time I chickened out and now they're more than when I was going to purchase them last time. And literally just the first time I went to buy a universe was at, uh, was at Ed Roman's guitars in Vegas. And it was, uh, like three grand, I think I'm doing off memory guys. And I was like, that's crazy. And then I go, I should do it. And I said, no. And now then it was all of a sudden after that, couldn't find one for less than five. And anyways, I don't want to bore the story. You understand the story. Like I almost as a dealer, when I was a PS dealer, I ordered a hollow body two for myself. And I think then the cost on it was like 24, 25 dealer, non 10 top is what I was going to pay. And I told you guys, see 24, 25, right? 20, it was like close to that in my comfort zone. And I chickened out. I let it just become the store stock. And I was, I didn't, I didn't purchase it myself. I let the store, you know, purchase it and it flipped it and sold it. And so I didn't do it. And then now you're like, can't find him for that. So uh, Mike wants to know if I got the thing figured out with the Teespring link. I did not, buddy. I, you know what? Thank you for, again, Mike, so much. Thank you for reminding me. Hey, Mike, do me a favor. Uh, email me at thepmcknight7 at gmail. And uh, I, I got something cool. It's a, a cool 
decal thing that I have, I can I can mail you out to remi- for, for reminding me on that. And then if you do that, I will send your email copy to my wife because that's who really needs to probably take care of the hat thing, even <laughs> even though it's not her job to do so. Uh, if I don't delegate it to her, it'll never get done. So thank you, buddy. Um, yeah, best plan says a friend of mine has a Sir amazing tone and feel. Oh yeah, they're freaking great. Why do you think I, I dude? I'm in the Sir trap. You guys know what the Sir trap is? The, the Sir trap. I I've tried the Harley Benton, which by the way is really good. <laughs> I, I'm screwed. Okay, so you guys know. I, I'll say this openly. Uh, the Harley Benton uh, Sir copy, the one that looks like the Pete Thorne and stuff. Uh, I love it, but I just can't own it because I. Pete has always been so kind and so nice to me and I like the guy a lot and I, you know, I don't think he digs that. I don't get the vibe that Pete likes that Harley Benton knocked off his his Pete Thorne Sir guitar and I feel a little weird <laughs> uh, because if I bought it, I'd review it and I don't want to be out telling you guys to buy this guitar so just please understand, it's just an etiquette thing. Um, and uh, so that being said, that's this so the sir thing that i was talking about the sir dodge or whatever i just called it this the sir thing uh, that's how come i have an az behind me the az oh this theos this is all my attempts to not buy a sir i am doing everything in my power to not spend the crazy money that takes me to sir <sighs> and the great thing about sir everybody tells me the same thing oh they're like oh the sir resale value is great i know that's what sucks because i can't buy a used one remember half the reason i get these oh, look okay guitars behind me this music man that I'm pointing at. If you're on the podcast, you can't see, but I'm pointing at a beautiful music man guitar. That thing, that's used. I paid 14 for that. The BC Rich behind me, as you guys know, I bought used. Okay. The 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 Kiesel's new, but again, the Kiesel is less than a Sir. It's half. It's half. It was half. <laughs> My PRS Custom 24 10 top. I bought that when I was a dealer. And uh, and I bought it a while ago, and it was a ten top. Was the free ten top was free? PRS didn't charge for the ten top on that guitar. They had one in stock. I had a customer. Oh, by the way, he might. I don't think he's watching today, but he watched sometime. My buddy Jimmy uh, wanted this guitar. He wanted a, a uh, uh, the Mateo Green. I don't know what I call it, Mateo Green. Uh, Rize Verde. He wanted because I'm thinking of Matt Mate- Mateo. Matt M- Mateo uh, Rize. Uh, Rize Verde Green. And I called uh, PRS and they said, yeah, we have one. It's a tin top. And I said, oh, he doesn't want a tin top. And they go, well, we'll sell you the tin top for non-tin top price. And I was like, oh, you got to do that. He didn't take it. So I bought it. So again, bless. My, uh, my I- Ibanez AZ. I don't know why I'm going through these guitars. Do you guys care about this stuff? AZ, my Ibanez AZ I bought in Germany uh, from my friend uh, who's an Ibanez employee uh, who got me a deal on it. The Sir I bought at the Sir. I, I can't point. Just understand what I'm pointing uh, behind me. The Sir guitar behind me. What, I don't know why I'm saying Sir. The Framus guitar behind me. I bought at GitCon and Framus gave me a deal because I was there. The uh, this GNL flake I bought on reverb from a dealer who obviously had it for a year and a half because the born on date was a year and a half old and he gave me a smoking deal. I think that was like 23 new and I think I paid 15 for that or 14. The this one, uh, the Charvel, same thing. I got a deal on that. Uh, it was new, but the uh, they were doing a 20% off sale. I got 20% off. So I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm cr- just trying to tell you, you know, you're never going to find a deal on a Sir, and that's the problem. I found deals on almost all these guitars because, again, I wait until, you know what I mean? I get what I want, but I wait until there's a price that it makes sense, and the Sirs never, never makes sense. There's You got to just pay the price. 
So one day I'm there. And I'm finding that way on the hollow body too. You just got to pay the price. The only way to get a deal on a hollow body too is if it's got a lot of nicks and chips in it. And I might just go that way. Ah, Tom says just name the color. Easy peasy. I will do that. See, that's smart. Uh, Luke wants to know. I'm just running with it. Luke wants to know if I ever played a flying V. I've played them, obviously. Uh, I don't can't say I've ever actually owned a flying V. Although I think I mentioned this once when I was uh, probably when I was fifth, not fifteen, when I was sixteen or seventeen. A buddy of mine traded me a Gibson, a real Gibson V, and I thought it was ugly because at that time, you know, it was like, oh, Jackson Vs are cool, and I sold it dirt cheap to a friend. I don't know if that counts, but that's probably the only time I had a V. Uh, <laughs> no Mojo says you, sir, you know, like Sir Guitars, have a problem. Yeah, well, of course, I, of course, I have a problem. Look how many stupid guitars behind me. <laughs> I, again, I don't think there's a. I just think my problem is, is like I said, I think there's worse things you can do with your time and your money. That's for sure. All right, uh, I got some super chats. Let me hit them real quick, um, real quick, guys. Uh, we got Tito. Tito says, Phil, you are on a roll today. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I am laughing out loud every two minutes. Great stand up sitting down. Thank you. Feels great. And laugh. Good info too. Good, man. I'm glad. I hope, you know, I want to say on a side note, Tito, uh, speaking of which we were talking about, and I want to thank, uh, PRS. And I, when I say PRS, I'm talking to the person I work with at PRS, uh, that she's great. She was kind this week. She sent me a nice email and, and a lot of you guys did. I think I got about six or seven emails. And, um, you guys mentioned last week when I mentioned that, you know, it's been tough cause you know, you get a little down, a little sad because of what's going on and a little hard to get motivated. You guys said that really spoke to it. You guys, those emails fueled me up for today. So, you know, to go, maybe we got to remind ourselves, we got to have fun, man. Cause I'm hoping this is the, you know, this is the time we're going to have fun. We're talking guitars. We're having fun. I, I hope that's, and it, it's driving me. If you guys know, like I said, I'm putting out more videos. Uh, you know, I want you guys to have fun. You know what I mean? And I have fun doing this. So there's no reason for us not to do it. It's not, you know, it's, we got enough to remind us what's not fun. So th th thank you, Tito. I appreciate that. Douglas says, hey, Phil, second, oh, scored, not second. Douglas says, hey, Phil, scored a $900 American Strat from Guitar Center. Any cool things about it while I wait for it? It's a Sunburst 3 single coil pickup. Any cool things about it? I don't know. <laughs> It's a good deal. You don't, you didn't say which one you said American Strat. So now we got to like, no, it's an American professional or there's American standard and both are cool for different reasons. I have, uh, I, so you guys know, I have an American standard and American professional Strat that I absolutely love. And for different reasons, the American professional is the next, just a little chunkier and it really sings, man. It's just like, it's got that tone and the American standard has got the slightly smaller, faster neck that I like. And, uh, the, the American standard neck's got the jumbo medium jumbo frets and they're nice where the professionals got the uh vintage talls which are very nice like i said there's things i like about each one ultimately though i like the newer pickups over the older pickups something to keep in mind um so to as answer your question is anything cool things you should know about it no just make sure when you get it you know um make sure that you know set the bridge where you want against the body or floating it's up to you if you've never worked on a Strat or a guitar, this is a good time to watch some videos on how to quick do setups on, on Strats and stuff. Because once, because a Strat, once you dial in, it's magic. Riff Magoos. All right. Riff Magoos says, hello, Philip. Glad to catch the live stream. Thanks for keeping it real. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, uh, 
I, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Chuck M. Music uh, says, Happy Independence Day. Yeah, so, you know, th- double thank yous this week. I am so... I told you guys I'm, I, I'm very inept when it comes to news and I don't know what's going on. But I do know that somehow it's like... I, a lot of my Canadian friends were celebrating is it Canadians Independence Day I, I don't know if they have an birthday Canada's birthday what I'm trying to say is to all my Canadian friends congratulations on whatever you were posting on social media um <laughs> I just know I thumbed up a lot of cool Canadian flag stuff I just want to say thank you uh and because I really appreciate it I got a funny story Independence Day story I got to tell you I've been sharing it with my buddies all week uh and I want to share it with you guys uh, so on Chuck's uh, uh, Happy Independence Day, and I know you got more questions, Chuck. I'm going to get to it in a second. Happy Independence Day. Hey, happy 4th of July to everyone. I want to tell you a funny story, and it's, it's a story I'll never forget. Last, to give you a reference of, of time, last 4th of July I was in Germany. Uh, on, I think, July 5th or 6th, we played uh, the, the 26,000 people event in front of those people. It was when I performed that event with a bunch of other YouTube channels, great guys and, and that were, I had a pleasure of hanging out with. And it was that pr- cool event we did, and we were there the week before that for Houston Kidner. But I want to tell you the story. If I didn't share it with you, I just want to share it because it really uh, was great. Uh, and by the way, everybody's saying Canada Day was July 1st. So happy, if you say happy Canada Day, please uh, excuse my ignorance is that's not what you do but uh, happy canada day so um so somebody says canada i have a feeling somebody's punking me anyways ha- you know what we love you canada how about that so so anyways back to what i'm saying what happened was on fourth of july i was in frankfurt in a hotel and we were practicing all day for the event and we went to eat in the hotel. And uh, one of us, I don't remember who saw that they had hamburgers. Now, remember, we had been eating nothing but schnitzel and schnitzel all week. Because whenever you're in rural Germany, uh, which is where I tend to get shipped to when I'm doing these events for YouTube, uh, you tend to be in places where they have three things to eat. They have sausages, schnitzel, and sausages. And uh, by the way, it's great till the third or fourth day but anyways oh and those weird freaking mashed potato rice ball things that are weird but anyways i, I don't want to get into that what i want to get into is this i saw ha- or we saw hamburgers uh, on the menu and we all got hamburgers all of us americans and um the our german friends that were there said you know what we're gonna get hamburgers too so the entire there's like 16 of us we all every single person ordered a hamburger and maybe one or two didn't, but you get the idea. We all had hamburgers, and they said to show solidarity for America on its, you know, Independence Day, right? We're all going to have hamburgers. So we had hamburgers and fries and German beer because, it, you know, okay, German beer is better than American beer. Sorry. So, anyways, um, I remember I like both, but man, German beer is better. So, anyways, we're having beer, hamburgers, and a bunch of the German guys had us in stitches because. They go, they go, wait, well, we feel very American now. And I go, yeah, we go, you are Americans. Hamburgers on 4th of July? What's more American than that? And they all went, when the waiter came, they go, we, we are Americans. Where's your manager? <laughs> and they kept harassing, very politely and funny, the, the, the waiter by saying, hey, where's your manager? We're Americans. We <laughs> so I'm just sharing the story because that made me laugh. It, uh, you know, so Americans always want to talk to the manager, uh, so to speak, is a, is a funny, I don't know, it just made me laugh. 
<laughs> so, okay. So now that I'm back to Chuck and guitar stuff, he says, I bought a 2014 USA GNL M2500 bass for a thousand bucks. It came with a case. It's awesome. Thanks for putting that brand on radar. Yeah, you know what? There are three brands, and one of those brands is getting tougher to say good things about, but there are three brands that I can tell you that you, if you're trying to buy the best guitar for the money, be aware that these brands are incredible and have horrific resale value, which is good for you. It's not good for the company, but it's good for you. And it is, in not particular order, GNL, Godan, and PV. Um, uh, PV is funny enough because obviously they don't make USA made stuff anymore. Not that that's the only disclaimer for what makes that stuff great. Um, but uh, what I would say is those three brands. So I, I'm glad that worked out for you. I agree. I think when you look at GNLs, I, I see GNLs all the time that are smoke and killer past what Fender's quality is, and you can pick them up for short money all the time. Godan is another nice one. When I did the uh, PRS Hollow Body 2 SE Piazza this week, by the way, it took like seven takes to say that. So I got it down now because it's a lot of n n not, you think that's a lot of words for, to name a guitar. Anyways, my point is, what's my point? My point is, is uh, some people mentioned that Godin makes really good affordable guitars with a Piazzo system. And, and I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Of course. Um, and, uh, I love Godin and, um, yeah, uh, like I said, if you're looking for brands, uh, if you're bored tonight and you're on Reverb and you're looking for good deals, go through the user section of GoDan and GNL. You'll find deals. There was a GNL ASAT asset, <laughs> uh, a dual humbucker hardtail it, gold top. Was it gold top? I don't know. It was gold top or was a cherry burst? One of the two, but it was beautiful and it was in perfect condition. I went a thousand bucks for it. And I was laughing because I was thinking, if that was a fender, it'd be two grand. So, uh, Dan to Diane to gig says Godin is awesome. Uh, absolutely. Go Dan, go Dan. I'm American. So we say Godin <laughs> and then cause it's go Dan. I try to remind myself go Dan, uh, depends if I'm paying it, you know, attention. If I'm paying attention to myself, I say it right. Go Dan. If I'm not, I say Godin. It just, one's a habit. One's the right way to say it. Uh, okay. What are we doing? Uh, we have some time. We can, we can take a couple more questions. Let me, let me, uh, let me see what I missed. Let me scroll around real fast. Um, I'm not old. I'm vintage said HSS S type strat type. Uh, so a humbucker single, single strat style guitar, knowing I'll probably never get to touch it before buying it. Which should I, what should I lean towards? Sir or Tom Anderson. Okay. So I've played both sir and Tom Anderson. And I think there's, uh, definitely love for both of those guitars, the, the sir and the Tom Anderson guitars. What I will tell you is the Tom Anderson artists is in my opinion, as good quality as any of the sirs, but the sir does have the better resale value. Tom Anderson has good resale value, but man, you can find some Sometimes you can find that score on that Tom Anderson sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, where sir, it's like you never find the deal. So not that that's what you ask me. I'm just telling you why those two are like that. Um, Tom Anderson is definitely a guitar I, I really like. I really like his pickups. So, you know, it's the same pickups they use in some of the nice Schecters with the huge slugs in them. Um, Cause Tom Anderson and Schecter at some point were connected. And if you go through the history of that, there's some reasoning why and why they were connected at some points, but they were not as guitar brands, but it's a long story. Maybe I should do a five things you don't know about Tom Anderson and uh, Schechter and Zion 
if you're looking at, uh, you know, I, ru I ruined, I ruined Zion. I didn't ruin Zion, but I was one of the channels that was talking about Zion for a while. And I think that's what ruined it. Used Zion is basically Tom Anderson guitars, Z I O N. And you can used to be able to go on reverb and pick up a Zion for like 600 bucks made in USA. That's essentially a Tom Anderson. Now you can't last couple times I looked, I think too many YouTubers got hip to telling people that and then brought up the value. It's one of the downfalls of talking about this stuff. Like, you know, we talk about Godin being great for short money and then literally Godin goes up and go Dan. See? Godin when I'm talking fast, go Dan when I think about it. Uh, it brings up the value. But uh, to answer your question, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at a Sir more than a Tom Anderson, but they're both quality instruments. At that level, it's just because it becomes get what you want because you're not you're not worrying about whether or not they play right or they're good. They're fantastic instruments. But I think Sir's got a little bit more on the market. His his fingers more on the I think everybody's chasing Sir now more than Tom Anderson, but there are some great things to say about Tom Anderson too. Tony Gar Tony Goeyburn, man, I need water. You can hear my voice is just cashed. Tony, what's up, buddy? He says, Phil, uh, these live shows are something I look forward to during the week more than beer and tacos during the lockdown. That's that's impressive. I look forward to Taco Tuesday. My favorite taco shop is down the street from my house, and I love uh, I love them. So Taco Tuesday is the best. Um, but, and so, you know, it's not some weird thing that I'm saying Taco Tuesday. They, they have Taco Tuesday there. So it's like the thing. On Tuesdays, uh, the tacos are less money. So, because it rhymes, I'm sure. But, yeah, I'm glad you like it more than that. I appreciate that. I, uh, by the way, um, Tony uh, did a, obviously I've talked about his channel before. He did a cool video where I sent him this pack, and he did a cool opening, and it was really cool. So I'll put a link to that. Uh, music Therapy, L-A-Z, Laz. Laz? L-A-Z? Music Therapy, Laz says i passed up a clapton signature strat used at guitar center for 700 bucks was days right before our trip to peru last summer oh man i feel that pain i've done it both ways i've done it after a vacation where i've come across a deal and you're like man i gotta pay i just paid for this vacation i gotta finish paying for it or you're about to go on vacation and um and uh, he says, okay, so hold on, I'm stopping his story. So he says, he says, uh, it was days before he went on his trip to Peru last summer. What's your the one that got away story? Oh, I got tons of those. Uh, my got my ones that got away stories are always, always stupid because I end up. Um, it's always when I say stupid, I mean it's never for the right reasons. Never because I didn't have the right money at the time. That always happens. But you can't be mad at yourself for that. Right. If I walked in a store and I saw a guitar and it was amazing and I didn't have the money and I leave and later I didn't get it, I don't go, man, I totally should have got that because it wasn't an option for me. It's when you know you could have got it or you had it and you let it go. Um, there's an infamous store story of my store and it went like this. There was a guy once who brought a guitar into my shop and he said hey do you guys do trades and we said yeah and it was he brought in a crate amp a bunch of stuff and then this american standard strat and he said what do you think this you know he goes what would you give me for this stuff now i want to say this is 2006 that sounds right 2006 is the time frame and i didn't even look at the strat yet and i said oh the strat's probably worth about four to five hundred dollars used keep in mind new they were a thousand bucks in 2006 so a new american strats a thousand bucks used they were fetching about six to seven so used uh, trade we give them four or five and i said four or five he opened it up and it was a white uh american strat with uh lace sensors in it 
and it was disgusting. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen to this day. It was caked in black tar. So obviously whoever had it was just a chain smoker and the black tar was caked into the rosewood fretboard. And the guitar looked like it was yellow, like that yellow behind me, the yellow Beast Rich, but it was white. So when I say it was a white Strat, I didn't know it was white at the time. We thought it was yellow, right? Um, And so it was this yellow Strat with cake tar. It was gross. It was gross. And I looked at that and I said, I didn't even want it. I said, dude, I can only give you like 300 bucks. And he was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, 300 bucks. And then he goes, okay. And I was like, I can't believe I'm giving 300 bucks. Things were nothing. So then this guitar, no joke, sat in our store for months because none of us would clean it. We would like, all of us would be like, you should go clean that American Strat so we can sell it. So one day I did it. I went to the grocery store and I bought rubber gloves and all the stuff. And I literally cleaned his fretboard with lighter fluid because that's what you do for that stuff. So I squirt lighter fluid and I got my rubber gloves. And the black ooze is dripping off this thing. And I'm cleaning and I pull the pickguard off. And underneath the pickguard is like, oh, it's like white. And I'm like, this thing was white. And you could just smell the nicotine. So we cleaned this guitar forever. And after I got it clean, I strung it up. I played it. It was the best sounding Strat I've ever heard in my life. To this day, everyone who ever played it in the store was like, this is great. And then, as a jerk move goes, I liked it so much, I go, oh, yeah, I want 100 bucks for this used. Well, one, because I cleaned the crap out of it. It took hours and it was gross. And two, it was one of those like, yeah, I think I earned it, man. I, I bought a, a Risk and it panned out and now I want my top dollar for it. So I put it for 800 bucks, which was high at that time, right? I think, like I said, six to seven was used, so I wanted eight. I would have took seven if somebody offered. But what happened was everybody came to the store and played it and everyone, like I said, it's infamous in my store. Months went by. People would play it. Everyone would play it. So it was the best sounding Strat they've ever played in their life. And everybody threw an offer of five, 600 bucks because that's what the market was pushing. And we'd go, no. And they go, and they come back. Guys would come back every day. I'll give you six. Would you take it now? We just said, no, it's holding firm. So one day my wife goes, you know, I'm sick of that guitar. She goes, I'm sick of hearing how everybody freaking loves it. And everybody's just giving us offers on it. She goes, I'm buying it. So my wife purchased it, took it home. And I played it all the time. <laughs> This is why this is funny. And then (laughs) I got sick of it because I'm an idiot because that's what happens. You play stuff and after a while you're like, I don't know, I love it, but you know. So I took it back to the store and I said, I'm going to sell it. And my wife's like, you're going to regret this. And this is why this is my one that got away story that will always, always, always cement in. Some guy came in our store and I know I said I wouldn't talk about customers sometimes, but this guy... He's one of the few that probably deserves this conversation. And he knows, because we were up front with him what happened. He came to the store and he played it. He's like, man, that guitar is great. Which best price? And we're like, 800 bucks, 800 bucks. And finally, he was like, I think we sold it to him for seven. And he buys it. And he leaves. I don't know, weeks, months, whatever time goes by. And we were thinking, you know, uh, you know, I'm not thinking about that guitar at all. He comes in the store and he's like, hey, remember me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that bought the cool Strat, man. I said... You lucked out. That Strat was great. I said, I can't believe I sold it. I said, I'm mad at myself. And he goes, I fixed it. And we're like, you fixed it? He's like, yeah, I can't wait to show you. And he comes in. He goes, I had it repainted white like it's supposed to be. And I don't know what happened to it. But one, the paint job didn't look that great. But two, the all the life force of that guitar was gone. It just didn't sound the same, and it wasn't the same anymore. And he did more to it, too. He messed with the you know sand of the neck and all this stuff. He ruined it. 
And here's why it's the one that got away. It's the one that got away not because it was a great guitar and I should have kept it. It was like I felt like I somehow screwed the universe out of a great guitar. Like I, I, I shouldn't have sold it to that guy. It's the weirdest story I know, but that's my one that got away story that I think about. Because, so you know, that guy and that guitar in my house to this day come up at least once a month. To this day. Sometimes my wife mentions it. My wife, that's a zinger for my wife to poke me and get me if I do something stupid. I'll be like, oh yeah, I, I forgot to do that or whatever. She's like, well, it's not as bad as like when you sold that one Strat. I'm like, so you get the eye. Um, <laughs> Somebody says the guy started used the money to start a company called Amazon. Yeah, so um, Ben says the best sounding Strat I that he had had lace sensors in it. Um, wait, the best sounding Strat had lace sensors in it, or am I remembering the detail wrong? Yeah, you're talking about that guitar, or just in general. I it's funny thing about lace sensors, and this is what's funny about this. That guitar is why I constantly have tried to put lace sensors in my back of my guitars. I have learned this weird thing with lace sensor pickups. When they're right, they are magic. That's why I think there's so much controversy, not controversy, but there's so much like pushback on the lace sensor uh, uh, pickups when when people are talking on the internet some people are like i hate them they're lifeless and somebody's like they're the greatest things ever i have played guitars for some reason where lace sensors there is no pickup on the planet earth that could touch the, the tone of the lace sensor when when they're right and then when they're not right they sound like plastic i don't know what it is and i've i've just i've tried everything um and i'd love to say like you got to go on ebay and just buy the old ones but sometimes it's not as easy as that but it is easier the older ones do sound better than the new ones for sure there's something with the new ones they're just not the same but before i go down that i found new ones too that actually sound right too so it's weird and it could be a combination of guitars but is something about lace sensors. It's one of the pickups where I say, think that they're the most temperamental. In other words, when they're right, they're right. And when they're not, they're not. Okay. Uh, let's hold on. Let's do... Okay. Inky says, Hey, Phil, how can you get... And then I'm going to do two more Super Chats. Don't do any more Super Chats because I'm not going to answer any more this week. So I can focus on something else and then we can we can wrap up. So Inky says, Hey, Phil, how can you get a Strat-style tremolo super smooth like a Bigsby? More springs, type of springs uh, and tricks, etc. Well, it physically can't work. There's a great video. Amazing. I'll link it. One of my favorite videos on YouTube, hands down, is Tim Pierce and Pete Thorne talking about how different tremolo systems, vibrato systems, whatever you want to call them, feel different and therefore sound different. And I agree, Bigsby's feel and sound different than Floyd's, Floyd's uh, different than Strat's. And uh, so there's definitely, definitely a thing to this, okay? That being said, I swear on, uh, is uh, I, I, I absolutely swear by this. If you, I did the, uh, a lot of channels did the Vega Trim. The Vega Trim guys are amazing guys. They're in Italy. They uh, support YouTubers by sending out product to YouTubers and, and working with us, which is, again, it's a brand that recognizes social media. So again, it's a brand that you, you probably, I don't want to say you don't trust, but a lot of times, you know, the only place you're hearing about is, is social media people. But let me tell you something, that bridge, if you put it in a strat, I'm, I'm about to talk about that bridge again in a video because I did some uh, uh, a sharp max with it and stuff. Um, if you put that bridge in a Strat, um, I'm noticing that some people are having reaction to it. Very positive, very negative. And here's the positive negative. If you're looking for a, you, you called it, that's your bridge. If you're looking for a bridge to feel like a Bigsby, 
in a strat it's the vega trim it's got that crazy loose cool feeling where it feels like you're on air because that's what the bigsby is it's all about like floating like a, a bigsby bridge is like is it if for those of you who have ever ridden in an old nice cadillac Cadillacs, the not not new Cadillacs. I'm I'm sorry to offend anyone with the new Cadillac, but new Cadillacs are not Cadillacs. They're just GMs repackaged with Cadillac logos. Everybody remembers Cadillacs, r- real ones. It's like riding on an air cushion, <laughs> right? You get a Cadillac. It's like this is how you ride in a Cadillac. Okay, um, a Bigsby is like a Cadillac to me, right? It's a Cadillac for your hand. It's just literally like. You're 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 on an air cushion, okay? So the Vega trim for a Strat, which is not very inexpensive, it's an expensive bridge. But keep in mind, it's not. It's a it's a handmade, really well machined out bridge. Uh, the the Vega trim is definitely a bridge uh, that I would recommend uh, if you want the Bigsby feel for a on a Strat guitar. So so think about that. Something to think about that. Uh, Front level midnight says Pro Move. Bringing a bird cord, ah, yeah, yeah, okay, hold on, oops, I hit the mic. Uh, bringing a bird cord and a 30K uh, MAH, right, okay, power brick to a music store with you and one or two of your favorite pedals. I did my 88 DOD envelope filters. Okay, so real quick, what he's talking about is, uh, so 30, uh, the 30K MAH, I, he's talking about the power, uh, power supply, right, but the bird cord, I did a, a video of that long time ago. Bird Cord is a very cool device. There are some after there are some models of that, and I, I just is good to talk about this. Bird Cord sent me out a cable or a, a, Bird Cord sent me out. I don't know if I should call it a cable. I'm going to say a cable. What it is is it's a USB adapter cable or a cable that lets you plug a uh, a five watt, sorry, five volt power supply into a nine volt pedal. And how it does this is, is technically, because I'm not an electrical engineer, um, what it's really doing is it's basically saving up some of the voltage, I think, and then releasing it out so it gets a nine volt. It's ramping it up, uh, basically. Again, I don't want to really get into it because I'm not really sure I can even explain it correctly. I'm sure some people in the comments are going to do a better job. But the point is, is you can take a five volt uh, power supply, like what co- the line that comes out of your laptop and power a pedal. It's cool. I have one in my go bag uh, that I take with me everywhere I go. It's great. I reason I so what he's talking about is he's using one. I recommend it highly if you haven't checked one out. Um, but in fact, it's what I take. I don't take any power supplies or batteries with me when I go traveling with pedals. I take that bird cord. But what I was going to tell you was a lot of people mentioned on that video I did that you can buy them much cheaper on Amazon. And now, now I've watched a lot of those people mention that the ones that got on Amazon went to crap on them so i think the bird core guys got the quality thing down but um but that's basically what he's talking about is taking a power supply and and the bird cord and and using it with taking pedals with him with his store probably to check out instruments and stuff i think that makes sense um bb ninja did a link to the vega trim so really cool uh what else do we got <laughs> Ken says, you earlier you said you weren't a car guy. Sounds to me like you are a vintage Cadillac guy. Nope. Um, when I say I'm not a car guy, it means I don't care about cars. I know there's, uh, so what I mean by that is like uh, I buy cars for myself. When I buy a car for myself, I literally just go, um, I find a deal and I just buy the car. 
right? I always buy new cars and then I run them for a while. But anyways, my point is, I don't really care about cars like brands. Like I'm not into Chevys or Fords or Nissans or, you know, Cadillacs. But um, uh, my grandfather used to drive Cadillacs. So I'm very, very aware of the Cadillacs from that era because my grandfather was uh, that old school dude that literally would buy a new Cadillac every couple years. Right. So he would have that crazy Cadillac and he always buy like the crazy Cadillac, like the Cadillac Brits and stuff like that. And had the Vogue tires and all that crazy stuff. Um, so uh, that was a thing. So, yeah. So that's the only thing I know. Cadillacs. Yeah. Couch on wheels. I've heard that before, too. Somebody just said, yeah, they're called the couch on wheels. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're sitting on a big, cushy couch in a Cadillac. All right. Uh, yeah, and then I am not old on vintage is talking about it. You can step up the voltage with a transformer, but uh, right. And and I'm not sure uh, it's a step up or if it's just kind of st- stocking up the, the, the juice either way, because it's really small. Like this thing, like I said, you have to Google it or I'll put a link to the bird cable. It's like a little, just a little box. So that's why I said I didn't really look at what it did. I just tried it out and it worked great. I was like, all right, sometimes I don't need to know exactly what something does. Uh, uh, I find it if I worry about every little thing, I get too lost in this. Uh, let's see. Ah, Todd Flowers, let everybody know. Give it a thumbs up if you're enjoying the show. I appreciate that as uh, as always. Um, and let's do. Uh, let's find a couple more non super chat questions. Like I said, don't do any super chats because I won't read them. If you do them, I'll find them and read them for next week, but not this week. So it's not worth doing. Um, and you're taking, you're taking a chance that I might not catch it and not do it next week. Uh, David Ross says, can you do some vids on setting up strats? I really like your uh, vid style. Yeah, of course, buddy. Uh, um, I, so when I had some downtime, I started working on that type of stuff. And again, you notice now what I'm doing is just editing stuff and putting it out, editing stuff and putting it out. So, it, you know, yes. All right. <laughs> I got a lot of you guys talking about Cadillacs. Apparently, Cadillac's a thing. Oh, ER Webster says his super chat got skipped. Okay, let me find you, ER. There you are, buddy. Uh, oh, did I miss? Oh, I missed Reggie's too. Reggie, hey, Reggie, how's it going, buddy? He says, happy 4th, Phil. New Music Man is awesome. Great to hear. I saw the picture. You sent it to me. The purple one didn't get a chance to respond. Um, I was responding to so many. This It was like an influx of emails this week, and I just got to as many, and I got to yours, and then I couldn't remember if I responded to yours or not, and I went to look, and I didn't get there. So, Reggie, I saw it. It's the purple one, right? It's beautiful. Uh, E.R. Webster says, how's the guitar coming along? I got my kit from Crimson. It's pretty nice. I physically got the kit today. I have not seen it. It's on a box downstairs. So you're talking about the great build. And then my understanding is the build got pushed back to September, which is fine, right? Um, You know, in my world, (laughs) more times better than less time. Uh, So E.R. Webster, what he's talking about is, we've talked about this many times, we'll keep talking about it. Crimson Guitars is doing a build-off challenge where they literally have sent a bunch of channels a kit to do and to see what they can do. It's very confusing because some of them, I think some of the channels are like going to basically build a guitar out of it. You know what I mean? And kind of make a guitar. I think the whole point, me, a kit build is to take, take what the average person at home can do and make a good guitar. My focus for my build kit is, I, I remember last week I talked about maybe doing a home Depot challenge. 
you guys, great get great feedback on that way, by the way. Uh, it was definitely polarized. 50% of you were like, yeah, that, that's kind of done and who cares? And the other half were like, yeah, it'd be great. But really what happened was um, at, through discussions, I came up with a great idea. And um, here's the idea based on basically your idea. So I guess it's your idea, but I reamped it, I revamped it. Hold on. So I keep you in suspense by drinking water. I, I thought... Here's what I ordered. I ordered from Crimson Guitar the PRS style uh, guitar, and I thought, okay, who's going to buy this? So I look at when I look at reviews. Besides, when I buy something for myself and I just review it to share with you guys, because somebody might out there might be interested in buying it. Um, a lot of times when I do reviews, my whole concept of the review for almost every review is who's out there looking at this, and how can I help them do that? And then, obviously, if I get it right. I'll be I'll do well because a lot of people will resonate with it and watch it and I'll get a lot of views and views equate to the pennies that make up the money that YouTube sends you. But ultimately, so you guys know, and I have no qualms about this, uh, saying this over and over again, I, I try to do the best video I can for you guys because when I do a good job on a video, you guys reward me. Your my merch sales, my my Patreon, all that stuff skyrockets. So I'm telling you right now, like if I do a video and it's just, eh, you know, here's the product, it's okay, you know, yeah, I might get some views. And it's like, man, a lot of merch sales, a lot of Patreon joins, a lot of stuff happens. You know, just it's really good that way. So um, uh, basically, what I'm saying is, I the kit guitar, what I have in mind is. Is who's going to buy this guitar and how, what would what do they want to do with it? And I think who's going to buy a PRS style kick guitar is the dude out there that's either A, curious to know how hard it is to build a PRS style guitar or B, the type of guy or gal, since we know we have female viewers too. Uh, the, a, even a female bass player, we do. <laughs> Hi, Mary again. Anyways, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, they want to say, hey, I don't want to spend $3,000 for this uh this uh, core PRS guitar, can I build that at home or what? Can I, can I build something that's like an SE? So I'm going to try and build the best kit guitar you can possibly build. That's what my plan is, is and show you guys how to do it and some cheats and some tricks. Tricks. That's what you guys watch the channel for. It's the tricks. How do you do it faster? How do you do it cheaper? Tricks. So that's where my focus is. So ER, that's where I'm going to be at with that. Um, and so I'll take a look at it probably tomorrow because probably I probably need to film the unboxing of it. So I'll probably have to wait till tomorrow where I can pull out the table and literally unbox it and film that. So I have that as footage in case I need it for later. A lot of times you have to film all this stuff and I don't need the footage, but I, if you don't have it, you're screwed. Um, David Alexander, it looks like I missed a couple. So David said, um, what do you think of buying a Music Ground uh, uh, franchise? When I when I went to open my store, Music Ground franchise, there was a Music Ground in my area, and the the two owners owned three of them, and they were very lucrative. They made a lot of money. Uh, a couple of my friends were managers there and worked there. Some of them were employees there, and so that's the first thing I did is look at a Music Ground franchise. And here's what I ended up doing. So I, I'll, I'll I'll just tell you. And again, I haven't looked at them in. Uh, I mean, we're talking 2004 and five is when I opened my shop. When I looked at Music Ground, I reached out to them, uh, and we went through the early stages of buying them. There was two purchase prices. I forget what they are now. I feel like one was like sixty thousand, and one was like a hundred thousand, and that was back then. So I can't imagine it's cheaper now. Um, and that didn't really include a whole lot of inventory. It was a few things, and they were giving you some connections. Uh, what happened was when I did the math, I started crunching it, and the things that they were offering as services, uh, like they like, help me hire people. Well. At my point at that time in my life, I was in management, upper management for a finance company. I'm like, I already know how to hire people. 
I already ran people every day. You know, I had employees. I hired people. I fired people, right? So I'm like, I don't need music around to teach me how to hire somebody, you know, uh, read a resume, especially for a retail establishment. It's not like the resume is going to be extremely involved, you know, right? Your retail employees are not going to have, you know what I mean? I don't have to go through and vet their college applications and stuff. So, um, so I was like, it's not, it's not that difficult. The other thing they were going to help me was negotiate with landlords and signage. That's something else that I actually kind of like, okay, I can do that myself too. Getting signage, uh, negotiating. You got to negotiate credit card rates with your credit card processing. All, all I can tell you right now is this, Dave. That stuff then I did then. Do I regret doing it myself over a franchise? I don't. Um, but I will tell you now it's super easy. Think about this. The POS, the POS, POS, the POS system alone, all the stuff that you need to start a, a music store now, it's, it's dirt cheap and easy to get your hands on. You can get a app and a, and a tablet and a, and a little register connects to your tablet and do all this stuff and create a beautiful POS system uh, that's all plug and ready to go for, for, for pennies on the dollar of what it would cost back when I started. When I first started, I mean, the POS system was a huge part of your upstart cost. Um, you need computers and you need registers and you need uh, you need the, to pay a monthly service for this service. It was just a nightmare for, for that. Um, so a lot of the stuff that at that time, Music Around was offering. I was like, okay, can I do this? But ultimately, I'm going to tell you what I ended up doing. This is the, the funny thing I did. I started crunching the numbers of Music Around. And don't get me wrong. A lot of stuff that they offer, franchise offers, makes sense. Silly things like where do you put your counter versus where, you know, where do you have people check out? What stuff should you stock? If you don't know this stuff and you don't think you can figure it out with research, maybe a franchise is the way to go. But well, I'll tell you where I ended up on this. I thought for a second, I go, what is a franchise really? Well, it's two things. It's brand recognition because somebody's going to know that brand over your non-existent brand that you're going to slap on your store. And I decided at that, to be honest with you, Music Ground's just not strong enough of a brand for anyone to know who it is. Half the people on this ch watching right now don't even probably know what Music Ground is. It's a chain of uh, franchise stores that do like play it against sports. If you know what that is, it's Music Ground is a used and some new product uh, store retail. So I was like, okay, brand recognition. Again, I'm not slamming them. They're great stores. Like I said, if I see one in a town, I go I go shop for them because I'm aware of the brand. What I'm saying is that most people aren't. And they don't really funnel a whole lot. They don't fund, they don't put a lot of money in advertising, right? You notice like in social media days, it that would cost nothing to have channels my size mention music around and, and push people to them. Um, and they don't, they don't, they don't do that. So I mean, you know, you're you're paying for a franchise, and they're really not paying to advertise for your franchise. So that's not a help. The other thing that they're really a help for is to teach you what you need to do. Well, if they don't, if you don't pay them to teach you how to do this, you're going to have mistakes. Well, mistakes cost money. So at some point, you go, okay, well, wait a minute. I might make more mistakes, and those mistakes cost me more money in the franchise. So I would do that way. But I started thinking about going, okay, well, how can I do this? So the first thing I did is I. I did exactly, me and my wife went on a road trip and I went on a road trip through California and I stopped at, I don't know, about 30 music stores. Some of them I already had pre-made pre, pre meetings with and we talked to them and I learned. I asked them questions and I, I did stuff and I educated myself as best I could. And I was like, what did that trip cost me? That trip probably cost me about $3,000. Hotels, gas, time, dinners, you know, 3000 bucks. So I, I literally spent hours and hours with owners talking about all kinds of business models, all kinds of stuff. Most people are very happy to work, uh, to, to teach you stuff, especially if you get the hell out of the area, you're planning to open a business because you're, if you're going to open a business, everybody in your immediate 
competitive range, they're not going to talk to you. And I don't think they should, right? But when you go outside and you want to talk, and you're going to find all the people you think you're going to find. You're going to find the guy who goes, don't buy a store. It's the worst business decision I ever made. You're going to find, oh, I love it. It's great. I've never, I wake up every day smiling. That's what you need. You need all those ideas and opinions, influence, uh, and, and, and information. Uh, so I did that. Then the next thing I did is I said, okay, well, what don't I know about? Well, I didn't know at that time how to negotiate leases and stuff. Well, you can hire somebody to negotiate a lease for you. Um, and, uh, and I, my first one I did, I hired a, a, an agent and the second two I did myself and I, I did, I think a better job than the agent, but the agent didn't do a bad job. I just, at that point had become savvy enough to know how to poke at, at, the, the landlords. You really need to know what will kill your business. If you don't do a franchise, I don't even care about music stores, okay? If you open a business and you don't learn how to negotiate a lease, you will not survive. That is how you will die. Your first mistake that you will make is thinking that some landlord gives any crap about your business being successful because they're going to want their money. That is not how this works, right? They're, they're, for the most part, their plan is to boil you up to what they think you can. Look, there's a reason why smart businesses try to buy buy the, biz, the building they're in and let their business pay that mortgage and then literally retire on that paid building. That is the most common business model. It's not a McDonald's business model. That's the business model of half the music stores in America. Half the music stores in America, the owners are sitting on the property and the music store is paying the property and that's the value. And it has nothing to do with the music industry. That's just real common. And if you don't figure that out, where you're at now is you're playing a game where you're playing a lease and that landlord is just like, he's just going to boil you up. And first of all, they don't care that your margins are small and your problems. And oh, what they care about is they got to lean on your house or they got your credit locked or whatever situation they got. They're just going to do that to you. And, and if you don't know what you're doing, they will shovel their horrible problems and debt on you. You need to negotiate. So I'm, I'm just telling you this because if I sound passionate, it's because literally the, the thing that I became really good at really fast was negotiating landlords and leases to the point where I still do that today, especially for friends. I just did one a few months ago. It's very important that you learn to do this. You need to know everything from not only how what kind of term you need to negotiate, but obviously for how much you have to pay, what the market will bear. But more importantly, you have to have caveats in there like, uh, yeah, you'll pay maintenance on maybe the AC units, but what happens if one of those AC units go out? If you're not paying attention, you can sign a lease where if your AC unit goes out, you're expected to replace it. It's a thirteen dollars to $23,000 unit. You'll have to replace that. The landlord will expect you to replace it, right? And when you're new, they don't care. So it's hard for them to say, oh yeah, we'll write that in the deal. We'll take care of everything. We'll do this. So again, you have that's what a franchise will give you that you can't see. They can go in and negotiate those things for you or at least tell you how to do that. So what I'm saying is you either have to pay somebody like Music Ground to do that stuff for you or you have to take the time and do it yourself. If you do it yourself, it'll be cheaper. Ultimately, what I learned when I opened my store was I'll teach myself to do this. I'll pay to have people teach me to do this. I, I, I outsource it. It's no different. I looked at my music store no different than uh, someone who decides instead of hiring a pool company to do their pool in their backyard to literally subcontract a pool to be built in their backyard. Like I'll hire the guy that digs a hole. I'll hire the person that does the rebar. I'll hire the person to do the concrete. I'll hire the person to put the pool... You know what I mean? So they can compartmentalize it and drop the price. It's more work for you, but you save money. So that's what you have to decide. Do you want to do twice the work, save some money, sweat equity, or hire somebody like that? I hope that helps.
That's a question. The only reason I really want to spend some time with that is that's definitely a question a lot of people ask is, you know, franchise stuff like that, especially Music Around. They're one of the only music franchises around. One thing I will tell you, Dave, too, if you're thinking about Music Around franchise and you're thinking about franchises and it's something that really appeals to you, I would definitely check out School of Rock as a franchise also, um, just because in my experience, the School of Rock franchise is a more modernized franchise. I'm not saying to do it. I'm not recommending it. I'm not connected to it anyway. I'm just saying I know owners of School of Rock's they seem like they're having a little bit better financial freedom from it than maybe Music Around is, but I could be wrong. Again, all my information gets dated. In, in a world of this world with COVID and stuff, everything I could say could be totally outdated. So keep that in mind. Uh, and then we're going to end with uh, Will, who says, "What's your favorite? What's your favorite neck pickup to pair with a Tele Bridge pickup? I'm digging the Lawler." Uh, Firebird neck pickup. Thanks for all the great content. I have a video. It is called, and I'm going to get it wrong. Hold on. Let me look at my title. Maybe I can entice you with my title. So hopefully it'll help you. It's called the, I'm saying it's the, it's not. <laughs> I'm just... Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I feel horrible. Uh, I don't have it. Oh, here it is. The ultimate Telly neck pickup. <laughs> well, aren't you glad you wait for that suspenseful answer? Yes. Yeah, so um, in the Somnium guitar, I have a video where I'm going to show you all of the actual pickups you can put in a Telly neck pickup, which is a, uh, a Filtertron, a P90, a mini humbucker, a humbucker, a Telly neck pickup, a Strat single pickup. I'm going to compare them all um and 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 we'll see which one do you like so to answer your question is what's my favorite neck pickup for a telly bridge i not going to tell you that's what i'm telling you sadly i can't tell you because i don't want to ruin that video um but uh it's funny that you said the lawler firebird neck pickup what i will hint to is maybe i'm in the same camp as you or at least in the top two or three camp of you as as that as that would be um and then and then it looks like I missed one more. Did I? It looks like I missed a bunch. On so, I'm sorry about that. Timmy says, uh, "Love the channel." Oops. Timmy says. Timmy says nothing because it jumped out of the way and it's gone. Timmy says, "This is the longest live show ever." It is actually officially. I think this is the longest one I've ever done. Timmy says, "Love the channel." Have you checked out an Epiphone SG Modern? Uh, the specs look great, but how does it feel? Thinking about ordering one would appreciate your opinion. Uh, y never tried the modern, so I don't know anything about that. Uh, the Epiphone SGs. I like Epiphone SGs. Uh, obviously, I bought a Gibson SG. That's what I have behind me. Um, I can't tell you why. When I say can't tell you, like I can't, not because I cannot tell you. I just don't know the actual answer myself. Don't know why I ended up picking the Gibson over the Epiphone. Uh, my my thought process, so you know, my thought process was I bought the SG used. I don't know why I'm the SG I bought used, and it was a good deal. It was the color I wanted, it was the weight I wanted, it was the model I wanted. I got a good deal. I bought it used, and uh, when I was doing the math on it, I think at that point I was paying three, maybe three hundred, four hundred dollars more than the Epiphone equivalent. But my thought process, so you know, was to buy the Epiphone because I was thinking the SG was not going to be a main guitar for me, and it would be something fun to check out. And I ended up buying the Gibson because, like I said, I got the deal, and with the deal, I know it's worth what I paid. And sometimes that's in today's day and age. Sadly enough, we're used to go 
in a store and try something and go, okay, I'm going to buy this or not. And now you have to order it. A lot of times I'm focused on the deals. A lot of people are like, why are you guys focus on deals? And I'm like, well, I'm focused on deals because unfortunately now you buy to try things. It's the dumbest thing out there, but it is the environment that a lot of us are in. So I used to try things and then buy them. Now I buy things to try them. Which is why YouTube channels like mine has gotten somewhat popular because a lot of us are like, hey, I'll, I'll at least watch a bunch of videos and that'll help me make an educated purchase since I can't touch this stuff. Uh, I love it when people are like, why would you buy anything you can't touch? Uh, obviously, you don't want to. It's just that's. It's not like anybody's like, I can't wait to buy this to see what I think of it. <laughs> right? It's the it's the environment you're in. So uh, to answer your question, uh, Timmy, I've never tried the modern uh, SG modern, but. Um, I do like the Epiphone SGs a lot. All right. On that note, hold on. Uh, hold on. Yeah, Chuck in Music, and then this is because this finishes up our thought. Chuck in Music says, I'm in a commercial HVAC and... Uh, and um, and I see store owners fight with landlords all the time over bad equipment. You got to, you got, I'm telling you, I don't care what business you want to get into. If you're going to get into a business where you're going to lease something, you need to become a master at leasing stuff. You do. It's just where you're going to lose money is where you're going to die. It's going to kill you. So, um, it's part of it. It's part of the mess. So yeah, of course. And like I said, and sometimes a franchise can help you with that because they can tell you what to do. They also get to use their branding as power and clout to the landlords. Look, landlords are not dumb, right? Just because they're just because you're like, hey, I'm going to start a business, that doesn't mean anything. They know uh, the difference between a Panda Express lease and and you, John's Music Emporium. They know John's music. Remember, most people, and this is the un, uh, kind of the sad, the only negative thing. And I'll, I'll, I hate to end on a negative note, but it's just something to think about. Most people, most businesses that work with businesses, know that businesses fail, so they're designed to not let help them fail, but not to help them succeed. They're designed to make money off them until they fail. That becomes a, a reality of business and you have to be aware of that and you educate yourself about that. And, and it's not because people are horrible. It's because if they're businesses and businesses look at the number and goes, hey man, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna figure out how to make as much money off them until they can't take it and they're gone because the odds are if we gave them the deal, they're gonna go anyways. Because statistically, it's more likely to fail. There you go. Um, so, all right. On that note, I hope you enjoyed the conversations we had today, as always. Uh, Aaron says, get into the real estate business. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. My wife has been through real estate school. She's never wanted to or is going to be a real estate agent. But she uh, she she paid to go to real estate school and to educate herself. You know what I mean? Uh, same thing as me because it's, uh, it's important. If you're going to get in business... You have to educate yourself. It's just part of it. All right. On that note, I am impressed uh, that we did so long. This is the longest live show I've ever done, I think. At least it feels like it in years. I hope everybody's planning to have a great 4th of July. For those of you that don't live in the United States, I hope you just have a great weekend. Um, and uh, be careful, uh, all of us, with pets. Um, my concern is, and I'm just sharing with you just because I told my wife this, my concern is, is that if you have fireworks and you're one of the states that have fireworks, I think a lot of people are going to be pent up and I think we might see a lot of crazy fireworks going on. If you have pets, please, please just take care of them. I plan to, um, uh, you know, keep my pets indoors and, and uh, you know, and 
make sure the night's ready to go so in case they you know i just the dogs get scared i don't want them to get scared don't take care of your pets that's what i'm trying to say love your pets and maybe if